Well, good morning. How we doing? Doing pretty good? Come on. It is Christmas week, and uh, that means that there's a whole lot of food. And uh, I would say fun. It just depends on your, your context, whether it's going to be a fun week or not. You know what I'm saying? But uh, come on, we're excited about it. First things first, I want to go ahead and announce our, uh, uh, bring in our Long Beach and Wiggins locations. Come on, go for it. Let's give it up. Ocean Springs, give it up. Come on, our Ocean Springs location was joining us for worship. And uh, come on, we're, we're all here gathered for just a few minutes in our service this morning. Uh, in case this is, your, this is your first time here, I guess it would be important to let you know that we, we have uh, four locations uh, here in Gulfport, one in, in Ocean Springs, one in Long Beach, and also Wiggins. So that's who we're talking to. We're just not talking to cities, I guess. You know what I'm saying? That'd be kind of strange. But, but, uh, but today, as we're getting close to the end of 2020, uh, there was a significant transition in our church about three years ago, and that was the transition where I stepped in as senior pastor here at Northwood Church. And uh, we're completing that third year, uh, looking forward to the fourth year. And uh, God has been good. Uh, and, and I do want to say, before we move on, I want to say thank you to all of you who have been here through that process, who have been here through that transition, and uh, it's been good. Come on, just like any family, uh, come on, everybody, we, we, we get older, right? Come on, many of you, you know, at some point, you got to launch out your house, and then you get married, you get a mortgage, and then you start having kids, and those kids leave, and families progress, and the church is no different. The church uh, morphs and continues to progress, and, and I believe that's God's heart for the church that the church will be a generational uh, community, right? Not just an organization, but a family. And so, so again, I just want to say thank you to all of you who have been faithful in this time, been supportive. Um, I'm going to be honest, I'm really looking forward to 2021. I believe that there is something that is shifting in our church, in our local community here. And uh, it's not predicated upon what happens in culture. It's not predicated upon whether or not everything is going well. Uh, but, it, but it's really... God is going to build his church no matter what's going on in society. And so, you know, let's not forget, again, the Great Commission and what we're put on this earth to do. I'm telling you something, next year is going to be a great year. Maybe not in material things. Come on, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in the kingdom of God, that God's will is being done in his church. And so, so we're looking forward to that. But um, I did want to let you know that even though I, I may be senior pastor here at the church, uh, I'm not a solo pastor. All right, I'm not a solo pastor, and at Northwood Church, we have a team of lead pastors who serve this church family, and, and many of you know that. Um, uh, actually, next week for December, on December 27th, we're not going to be having a service. We're gonna be, everything's going to be online this next Sunday, and next week, you're actually going to see um, all of, all of the, the, the pastors that I'm talking about here on the stage uh, really communicating some things to you for next year, but, but we're extremely close and uh, have been serving alongside each other for many years, and uh, we serve this church in, in vision and in strategy and in teaching. We have a teaching here, a teaching team here at Northwood Church, and again, many of you guys have, have been seeing that over the years, but um, um, I also have overseers, okay, above me that uh, provide another layer of security and protection for us as a church. You know, sometimes people wonder, well, like, who's, uh, 
like if stuff gets weird, like what do we do? Well, we have some overseers that, that oversee uh, this church and um, a good friend of mine out of New Orleans, Josh Canizero, another a good friend, Michael Smith, who is uh, in Birmingham. And uh, Josh Canizero has actually come here and taught before and we're looking forward to having him this coming year as well. Uh, but also one of those overseers also is here on staff and that overseer would be uh, Van Cody, my dad. So... Uh, <laughs> He never is very far away. No, 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 no. <laughs> but uh, in case you don't know, uh, Pastor Van was the previous senior pastor here for about 27, 28 years. And so I think that's due some honor right now. I want to honor our, our Pastor Van. And in case you don't know, he's still, people ask him all the time, how's retirement going? <laughs> I'm like... If this is retirement, I don't think anybody wants any of that. But, um, but no, he still teaches here and still uh, involved in finances and facilities. And uh, so, that, so that's really good. But also, at each of our locations, uh, we have a lead pastor who serves specifically at that location. And things like leadership development, teaching, strategy, pastoring, uh, all sorts of things at each location. And so four locations, uh, four different lead pastors. Those, those pastors are, of course, you guys know this, but, but uh, Pastor Mike Menace in Wiggins. Uh, give it up. Everybody in Wiggins, give it a clap for Pastor Mike. Uh, Pastor Micah in Long Beach. Long Beach. Uh, Pastor Stephen over in Ocean Springs. And uh, all, re all roads at, at these locations lead back to these men. And they lead their locations well, again, in teaching, uh, development of people, and strategy to accomplish the mission that we're on, given to us by Jesus. Come on, the Great Commission, that's what we're about. And, um, but uh, today I'm excited to bring you some news for our Gulfport location. And uh, many of you know, you know Casey Stokes, right? You guys, you guys know Casey Stokes? In case you don't know Casey Stokes, um, uh, I'm, I'm honored that, that Casey Stokes is my brother-in-law. I think that's pretty awesome. And so, uh, but he's been here at the church for about 21 years now, coming up on 21 years. He's also been on staff here for about, uh, was it 13? 13 years. 13 years, my goodness. Over a decade. Well over a decade. I think sometimes about how many years we've, we've all been serving together, and it's really incredible uh, how long, you know, we've literally, a lot of us, we've grown up together in this church. And again, I think that speaks about the generational uh, heart of this house, to not just do things well for three or four years, but to do them well for 30 and 40 years. You know what I'm talking about? So, uh, but, but Casey Stokes, he's, he's been serving here for a long time as, as executive pastor. He's been on the teaching team for many years. And, uh, and so, so with that, uh, today, uh, you know, I want to make a special announcement about our Gulfport location that uh, starting today that Casey Stokes is the lead pastor here at the Gulfport location. So Casey, why don't you come on up, ma'am? Can we all give it up for Casey? All of our locations. So what I want to do is I want to pray over Casey. I want us all to pray over Casey, and um, uh, many of you, you know him very well, so it's not like, a, uh, not like an outsider, it's not like, uh, you know, let's sit down and have a conversation about, you know, what your favorite type of ice cream is, but uh, we know that. No, I'm not a traveling preacher. <laughs> You're not a traveling preacher. Yes, today we have Casey, next week he won't be here, but no, um, but I trust this man with my heart, my life, my family, and uh, I mean, his family, but how many of you know sometimes you can't fully trust your family, right? I mean... It, <laughs> It's Christmas week. Some of you, you're going into the fire this week to go sit around the dining room table. 
Let me just get through it. But, uh, but no, I, I love Casey and his wife, Carrie, who is my sister, obviously, brother-in-law. And, uh, but we want to pray. And, uh, and then Casey's going to be sharing the word with you today. And, and also after this prayer, we're going to go ahead and, and turn it back over to all of our locations for you guys to hear from your pastor at your location today. But let's all join together in prayer. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for your kingdom. God, we thank you for your plan and your purpose. God, for this church at Northwood Church, Father, this community, that you have uh, pieced together an incredible team of pastors and staff and members, God, to carry the gospel forward into this community for this uh, for this time in history, God, with everything that is going on, that you have trusted us with your gospel. And so, Father, we receive that now, and we thank you for that mantle and that responsibility. And, God, for this location with Casey, Father, we pray that you would bless him, that you would cover him. God, that you would give him wisdom and uh, a greater anointing, God, to carry the weight of leadership here at this location. God, I thank you for the calling upon his life. God, that you reached into the darkest place, got to the pit, and you found this man, and you plucked him out of that place. God, you instilled leadership and authority in him. God, and where he was leading people astray in that time, God, that you redeemed that call for you, the good of your kingdom, and that today, Jesus, he is walking out that calling in faith and in trust in you. So, Father, we thank you for him. We bless him. We bless him and carry. God, we pray that you protect their marriage. God, that you protect everything that they put their hands to will prosper. We love them, and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe it, everybody said amen. 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 All right. Yep. I'm, I'm just really the least likely to be in ministry. Uh, if you go back into my timeline, at about age 23, God called me into ministry uh, immediately. Um, the day that I realized God was real and I encountered Jesus, I knew that it, this was it. And, uh, you know, that didn't happen to everybody, but it happened to me. By the way, I'm still the least likely to be in ministry uh, I do want to honor my wife, Carrie. Uh, man, she is great. She's been working for Northwood full-time in some sort of capacity for 24 years now. And so I want to honor you in that. That's incredible. Let's give it up for Carrie one more time. Incredible. You know, I want to honor Miss Jan, Pastor Van, um, Around 1988, God started dealing with my family in a strong way. I know my dad's watching online. Uh, is my mom in here? Yep, there's my mom over there. My sisters are watching. And normally I don't cry, so, so take a picture because it's about to get hot for the rest of the year. But um, God started dealing with my family strongly in 1988, a roundabout figure. I'm not gonna give the whole story, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make it really brief and then we're gonna move on, but um, God did a miracle in my family and he sovereignly brought my mother and father to this church around 1989. Um, we're in just building number two, none of the campuses existed at that time. And um, through many series of events, it's just incredible. And my dad got baptized in building number two, and so that was the first time I ever walked into Northwood Church, 1989. No, 
99. You're thinking, this dude's really old. I'm, I'm going to be 43 in December. I was, I, was, I was painting myself as 53. Thank you. <laughs> 1989, that's what was in my head because Pastor Van came here in 1989. And so about 1999, a decade later, my family came here. I watched my dad get baptized in building number two. And uh, it was very, very impactful because my dad was an agnostic. And um, I, I knew something was real and I knew God had changed his life. And uh, my mom and dad miraculously started coming to this church. They were separated uh, and weren't talking to each other, but ended up here on O'Neill Road in North, North Gulfport, right here at Northwood Church, and it was incredible. Their life was changed. Uh, they started attending a small group together and started praying for me uh, that I wouldn't die uh, in, in the lifestyle I was living, and God saved me, and he called me, and in 1989, uh, Pastor Van came here with a word, radical and unity, and he said this quote that we won't remain a small church on the side of O'Neill Road, and that has nothing to do with buildings. It has everything to do with the harvest because the harvest is plentiful, and God was calling laborers into his harvest field, and so I'm gonna continue to build on that word uh, with the pastoral team that I honor and, and with Pastor Jordan as well, um, the entire team, and um, it's just incredible. Uh, I will continue. Hey, look, we're not perfect, but this is a good church this is a real good church, everybody. <laughs> Pastor Jordan's heart's pure. Every one of the staff members are pure at heart to see the Great Commission fulfilled. And so we're just gonna continue to do that. I'm, I'm gonna continue to do what I've always done, and this is just another assignment from the Lord that I'm going to continue to labor in. Um, I was thinking about a scripture here this morning um, out of the book of Jeremiah, and I'm going to read it to you. You're not going to have it on the screens, but I'm going to read it to you. It's out of Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. It says, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord said this, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. The potter is God. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel, and the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. We were all spoiled before we came to Jesus, by the way. And he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel. Can I not do with you as the potter has done, declares the Lord? Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. And I, I really believe that's a word for this location that we came to God spoiled and he reworked something in our life when we submitted our life to him. But that process doesn't end, by the way. That process is perpetual and continual. And we, when we first came to God, we have to come to him again like little children with childlike faith so that we can remain pliable in the hands of God. Because how many know that we can sometimes be spoiled again, but thank God for Jesus, who's our advocate with the Father. So if the righteous falls, then grace abounds, and he can continue to shape us in his hand. And I believe that's what he wants to do with us as a church. Um, I'm not here to perform for you. Uh, 
There, there's, I'm not here to be the, the greatest speaker. I'm, I'm, none of the staff is like that. There's no comparison game. There's a movie theater for that if you're interested. Um, me and Jordan are totally unified and we'll be preaching here and you'll see the teaching team. This is not about show. This is about us equipping you for the great commission so that at the end of your life, God can say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's it. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you, God, for this church. God, I thank you for the pastoral team. I thank you for the staff. God, thank you for Pastor Jordan. God, we're praying right now that, God, as we end this year and as we're in this series of Advent, God, I'm praying that this next year would be a year of activation God, that you would activate us like never before, God, that you would burn out all the dross that is in our life, God, that, that you would purify us as a church, God, so that we can move forward with power. Lord, we submit ourselves to you right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen, amen and amen. So we're in a series called Advent. And so uh, this is the last, well, next, this Thursday is the last portion of that. Pastor Jordan talked about it. Our candlelight service is going to be great. Come if you can. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about hope today. You know, we heard from Arnie last week about joy, but I'm going to talk to you about hope. But Advent is all about the arrival or coming of someone special, and we know that's Jesus. And so, you know, Jesus brought a lot of things when he came to the earth and what we're trying to do is celebrate that, magnify that, remember that, and live out that, what God has done for us at the cross of Calvary that still has power today. His power is potent yesterday, today, and forever. And so we want to take all of the benefits of the cross and move forward in it. And hope is a, is a, is a, is a term that's used a lot of times. Uh, with all kinds of different venues, all kinds of different things. And we know that a lot of people's hope is shattered for various reasons. As a matter of fact, Proverbs says that hope deferred actually makes the heart sick. It, it does something to us internally when hope is deferred or it doesn't play out like we thought it would play out. And I've found in my short tenure on life that not everything plays out like I think it should play out. And it can do a lot of things to us when that happens. It can actually have very negative consequences in our life when that happens. Relationships are destroyed. Marriages are torn apart. Kids uh, get in fights with their parents. Offense takes place. There's rocks in the pocket. Sickness comes. There's all kind of things and ramifications when hope's deferred in our life, when the delayed answer to our prayers is still delayed. Has that happened to you before? How about this? When the picture in your mind for your future is not what God intended for you and it's not happening. You know, we can fabricate a lot of things in our mind and what happens is it's not happening the way we fabricated it, and all of a sudden our hope is deferred. But you know that as we continue to follow Jesus, 
and study the patriarchs of faith in the Old Testament, which is a pattern for us in the New Testament, we'll see that God's sovereignty in his hand stays and rests upon us, even in our confusion. The health situation is not getting any better. We're talking about real things that that make the heart sick. Politics are destroying our lives. Your financial status is not up to par, and the list goes on and on and on. And these things are an attack to us as individuals. They're they're an attack or an assault on our faith. And I got a question that, that I thought about that maybe you can think about for yourself, and it's this. Is it possible that we have anchored our hope in the fulfillment of our desires? Think about that just for a moment. Not all desire, I'm not talking about Evil desires versus righteous desires. I'm just talking about desires. It's a human thing, right? Is it possible that we've actually anchored our hope in the fulfillment of our desires? If we have, which I have, have you ever done it? Or am I the only one up here? I've done it, you know, a lot of times, by the way, we pastors, teachers, and and people who serve in this capacity are preaching to themselves. Um, It's very possible that we've done that. In one way that we can find out if if we've actually are living in that mode or if we have that mindset is to examine our prayer life. I was thinking about that. I was like, let, let me examine my prayer life. What is my, now again, I want, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bath while there's no wrong prayers. You know, I, I, can, I pray all kind of things. And God's sovereign and, and, and he, he, he sees the inside of me and he knows where I'm sideways. And he's, he's able to, to steer us and, and, and convict us so that we can repent and continually being, uh, so that we can be formed into the image of Jesus. That happens. But examine your prayer life. Some of you are not even praying. And God says, I want you to pray to me. I want you to utterly depend upon me. Think about the things that you've been praying lately. Are you praying that your desires are fulfilled? Now, I'm not saying that's negative. I, I want to I go down to the foundation because a lot of times we want to put windows in, on the house and we don't have a wall to put a window on. And sometimes that's what our prayer life looks like. And so I couldn't help but to go back to the disciples because they're kind of like us, dumb. <laughs> Call them dumb disciples. How many of you are dumb disciples? No. <laughs> they were always making mistakes, man. By the way, I'm like Peter. You know, he walked around strapped, ready to cut people's heads off and ears off. So that's why I said capture that little tear in the beginning because. (laughs) Matthew talks about Jesus. I think him hanging around his disciples on a regular basis, he was kind of able to hear what they were thinking about. He was kind of able to hear what they were praying about. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, there was a time where he said, guys, look, look, just come on. Let me, let me actually show you how to pray. And I love the Lord's prayer. How many of you have prayed prayers 
for so long and prayed everything you, don't, you know how to pray and then some until you dried up and you couldn't pray anything and you just cried or you just were angry. I've done that before and you know what it led me back to? It led me back to Matthew chapter six, verse seven. How many of you even prayed and said, does God even answer prayers anymore? I've done that. Matthew chapter six, verse seven, he said, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, those who are outside the covenant of God. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Now this, to me, is the heart of the matter. This is the alignment that we want to have in our hearts before we go any further. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's a big deal because we pray a lot of times about our name being lifted up, about the place for me being made, about God doing something so that I'm promoted. Which, by the way, just to let you know, I didn't plan on leading this campus. I know a lot of you think that I did, but I didn't. God wanted me to. I didn't, I didn't plan this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's a good place to start. You say, well, what's the will? Well, God knows it. I don't always know it, but I'm confessing that he's no, he knows it. Give us this day our daily bread. He's talking about that our needs would be met in the sense that I can eat and not die. Give me H2O and water. You know what I'm talking about. A little bit of bread, and I'll eat a, a piece of chicken if I can. Doesn't mean we live with a poverty mindset. I'm just talking about the necessity of our motive because God, God deals with our heart Watch this. He said, after you give us bread, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. How many of you know that you're going to have to repent perpetually in your life when you sin against God? How many of you have sinned against God lately? And don't raise your hand. Most of you have. But it's not in the sense of I'm condemning you. Repentance is the fountain of life because God loves us so much, his hand will never leave us alone. And he said, we also forgive our debtors and those who we hold offense to and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, when we're, we, we can be led into temptation trying to get the fulfillment of our desires and we have to be delivered from evil because there's deception in that. For if you forgive their trespasses, verse 14, your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. I think it's amazing that Jesus concluded his, his, his brief teaching on what it looks like to pray or a prayer template or, or, or an, a, an order of prayer with forgive people. He could have said all kind of things, but he said that. That's a real big deal. And so if I look at that prayer template, say, well, what about Jesus? Jesus used it. Think about the Garden of Gethsemane when he was sweating drops of blood in anguish because he knew great suffering was going to come. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He practiced out that, right? 
So let's talk about hope. Let's talk about the right kind of hope. Hope is the confident expectation that Jesus is the Messiah. This right here is what we, this is what our filter is in life, that Jesus is the Messiah because that trumps everything. Now, I know we're in America, so that trumps the election. That trumps who the president is. That trumps every world war. That trumps every system. That trumps everything that's corrupt. That trumps every business organization. That trumps every defilement. Jesus is the Messiah, the, 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 the redeemer of mankind. That's where our hope is. That's where our hope starts that's where our hope is lived out, and that's where our hope is finished. And so we're aligning ourselves to that biblical truth. It's a living hope, by the way. It's a living hope that carries you through circumstances of this lifetime, both positive and negative. You know, I, I know I should be talking about the Christmas message here, so let me share a few scriptures with you. This prophet talked about this hope coming into the world. Now it's Christmas time, and so we're thinking about Jesus in a religious way, and some of us are, are you know, thinking about Santa Claus. However, I like gifts too. But Isaiah talked about this hope to come. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, or God is with us. And, and in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For, us, for us a child is born... To us his son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. That's who Jesus is, everybody. Jesus equals hope. And I know that seems simple, it is, but Jesus is God, and he equals hope. You know, Jesus, actually, he didn't come to prepare a message on hope. He is hope. He, he imbibes hope. And we have to anchor ourselves in Christ alone, and that's our starting point to live out life. That's the compass that we should live upon. And, we, and, and then from here, we believe God for miracles, we believe that God is working in our behalf. We believe that God can change our current circumstances. We believe that God can intervene in a relationship that's falling apart and do a miracle. We believe that God can intervene into a health crisis and turn it around. We believe that God can reach the addict and the dope head and the person who's sticking a needle in their arm on the side of the road. We believe that God can reach the prostitutes and and the hurting. But our hope is still not in that miracle in this lifetime. Our hope is in the afterlife because we're pilgrims in this land. We're aliens in this land. However, we, st we still keep moving forward in Christ. 
to reach the lost and see God do miracles. You know, I love studying the life of Christ. He brought hope. And in the gospel of Mark, Mark really depicts Jesus as the miracle worker. And as pastors, by the way, it's kind of tough at times. We have to manage the tension in talking about miracles because one is believing for a miracle and it doesn't happen while the other is believing for a miracle and it potentially does happen. And we don't see miracles abroad. And when one's praying for someone to be healed, we bury them at the cemetery And then the next person is rejoicing that they've got healed. It's a tension to manage. However, we still believe God does miracles, by the way. If I need a miracle, I'm going to pray for that miracle, and I'm going to believe God, and I'm going to read his word, and I'm going to confess. I'm going to do everything that I believe is in my heart. But at the end of the day, I still have victory in death. Oh, death, where's your sting? The sting of death is swallowed up in Christ, and so I have to live in that. However, God does miracles today, and he intersects people's lives. And in Mark chapter 5, we're going to pick up the story with Jesus. He's doing miracles, man. He was on one side of the the, the sea, and he was on the land, and he had a guy who was cutting himself, and it says that he cast out a legion of demons from him. Believe that Jesus, I believe demons still come out of people today. He cast out a legion of demons. This dude was insane. And he left that, and he went back to the other side of the water, and he's doing all kind of stuff to study the life of Christ and Mark. But I'm going to pick up Mark chapter 5, verse 21. It said, when Jesus had crossed again into the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him. That's normal, by the way, that crowds would gather around Jesus. And he sat beside the sea. He had probably had no room. He didn't just say it was a good place to sit. There's probably no room. So he sat beside the sea. Then one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. This is a predominant man. I'm sure everybody knew it. And he implored him earnestly, saying, my daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she, she may be healed and live. And he went with him. He said, All right, I'm going. And the crowd followed him. And this is a big crowd. And if you study the Gospels and you study the different, uh, in context, the different people in these crowds, a lot of these people weren't just there for Jesus. Some of them there were just to see a show. Some of them there were swindlers and were trying to make money off the crowds of people. There was all kind of people in the crowd, let me put it that way. This guy was desperate, but you know, sometimes, and, and I've seen this a lot, and you might ask yourself this question, have you ever felt lost in the crowd? Have you ever felt lost in the crowd? Have you ever felt like Jesus was helping other people, but he didn't want to help you? Have you ever felt that you weren't the apple of God's eye and that you weren't significant by any means to God? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever thought that, that, that God doesn't care for you and just as others have rejected you seemingly, so has God has rejected you. You ever felt lost in the crowd? I know you have. I know there's somebody in here who's felt lost in the crowd. Sometimes the reason we feel lost in the crowd is because we're basing our human experiences on God. We're we're, we're catapulting our human experiences and interaction and pain from people and we're projecting it on God and we feel lost in the crowd but we're not lost at all. God sees you. 
God knows exactly where you are. You know, this prominent religious man, Jesus, here he goes. He's going to, to, to pray for this guy's daughter because she was dying. And there was this insignificant woman that was in the crowd. She was just another woman in the crowd. All kind of people were in this crowd, but she was, in, in, she was kind of uh, stealthy, if you would, moving through this crowd. Says verse 25, and there was a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years in this crowd. Now, this is an amazing story here because Jesus was bringing hope to the hopeless. This, this woman was, had a menstrual cycle for 12 years. And because she was a, a, a woman of the covenant, she was underneath the law, the Levitical law. And at that time, she was deemed unclean which means she was excluded from worship life. She was excluded from people touching her. She was, she, she was an outcast, if you would, for 4,380 days. So if you're a woman, you know what I'm talking about. It's rough. That's real rough. Some believe that she was dying. She was anemic. And, and she was ceremonially unclean. And so she became isolated. But she was in this crowd where Jesus was. You know, loneliness desires hope. Loneliness desires hope. And I believe this woman was at her last straw and she was desperate for hope. Her loneliness was killing her. Verse 26, she suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but grew worse and worse and worse. She spent everything her retirement, right, her life savings. She sold everything. She did everything that you would do to get healed. You know what I'm talking about? I don't care about anything. But you know when you're sick, you know that nothing else matters. There's not a lot of things that matter much when you're sick and you're dying. She, was, she sold everything, but it didn't get any better. It got worse. Man, that means she was without income. She was unemployable. She was dominated by shame and embarrassment. She was dying. That's a desperate situation. Suffering desires hope. Loneliness desires hope, but suffering desires hope. And this is what I love about Jesus. I, I love to, to watch the life of Christ. See, Jesus is not a respecter of persons. Though he was helping the predominant man, he was helping the one that nobody would even look at. This is an amazing thing about the woman, verse 27. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. Faith in Jesus started kicking in and she was desperate. She said that if I could just get around Jesus, my life can be changed. She was going through the crowd, which by the way, she was touching people in the crowd and if people would have saw her and knew who it was, they could have stoned her. They would have cast her out. She was unclean. She was ceremonial unclean and she wouldn't have touched anybody or anything. And so I'm sure she was covered up. I'm sure she had her head down. I'm sure she was going in and out. I'm sure she was fighting to see Jesus. 
I'm sure she was trying to get to where she could just touch God because desperation desires hope. She was desperate. She was going to do whatever it took. It didn't matter any longer. How many of you know that sometimes that's a great place to be? At the end of your rope, at the last straw, after you've done everything in your power, in your willpower, in your human strength. She said, I'm going to touch the hem of his garment because she heard about Jesus and that faith caused her to go out to touch Jesus. You know, each one of us has been dealt a measure of faith. She didn't go up in front of Jesus. She came right behind him and touched the hem of his garment. Verse 29, and immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And this is the dumb disciples. Now watch. They didn't know what was going on. How many of you like these guys? And his disciples said to him, the crowd is pressing you from all around, and you said, who touched me? Can you believe this guy, Jesus? You know what I mean? It'd be like me getting out here and walking through, and everybody's touching me, you know what I mean? And, and, and the disciples like, I wonder, is, is something wrong with Jesus today? He said, who touched him? I think about a thousand people's already touched you, Lord. And he, it, he, you know, what's amazing is he didn't even acknowledge the disciples. You know, talking about thank God. <laughs> thank God that he helps us. <laughs> he just looked around and he said, who had done it? Who touched me? Who's that person that's hungry for God? Where's that person who's broken, that's desperate? It's her time. It's his time. You know, hope is calling your name. His name is Jesus. Man. <laughs> Check this out. Verse 33, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. When Jesus starts dealing with us, we confess our sins to him. He's our great high priest. We can run into Jesus like a strong and mighty tower. We can fall at his feet and, 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 and confess all of our wrongdoing. She told the story. She, 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 she said, look, I was unclean for many years. She wasn't even supposed to be there, much less touch Jesus. He didn't even address the ceremonial law because those who touch Jesus become clean, not because of them, but because of God. There's none, no righteous person, no, not one. There's none righteous, no, not one but we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and we're made clean. Verse 34, he said to her, daughter, which is a huge word. That's a covenant word. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Her faith in Jesus is what it took. I don't know where you are today. I know that there's some of you watching online right now. I know that there's some of you in here that you needed to be reminded 
that faith in Jesus is our living hope. And as, and, and, and as catastrophic as this story was for this lady is how far God reaches to the uttermost, those who call upon his name. It's Jesus. He's the initiator of your faith. He's the sustainer of your faith. And he wants to rescue you from sin and death and desolation. Will you bow your heads with me just for a moment? Just take a moment. If you're watching online, if you're in this room right now, I believe that God's calling you. If you're listening and you found yourself in a place of desperation in this season, hope's calling your name. His name is Jesus. He loves you. He cares about you. He sees you right where you are. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, believe in our heart, if we believe in our heart, that Christ died on the cross for us and put all our trust in him that we'd be saved. And so that's what we're gonna do right now. I don't know if that's you in the room, if that's you online, if that's you in your room, just lift your hand and put it right back down. Say, that's me. Just put it up, put it right back down. I see your hand. The Lord knows exactly where you are. We're gonna pray a prayer right now. God's already got your number. But just say, Lord, I believe in you. I surrender my life right now to you, God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me. I want you to personalize that. Thank you for dying for me. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up, church, for those who prayed that prayer. Come on, let's stand to our feet real quick because we're going to get into some worship, but I want to pray right now that God would anchor us and that we would help others remain anchored. Father, I thank you, Lord God, that you're the hope of the world. God, I'm praying over this church right now. God, I'm praying over Northwood Church, God, that you would calibrate us, God, that we would be carriers of that hope, Lord, that you would, that you would continue to deal with us, with us, God, in a powerful way, God, that we would submit to you like clay in the potter's hand, God. God, you're the ever-living hope, God. We're praying that we would magnify you, God, above every circumstance, above every trial, above every victory, God, above every pain, over every offense, God, over everything that would try to distract us from the Holy One, God, the one who has set us free, God. Let our worship be pleasing to you, God. Oh, Father, we pray right now, God, that you would be magnified in our hearts, that Jesus would be lifted up, God. We praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free.
Amen, amen. It's been a great morning, Northwood. I hope you guys are fired up. We know where our hope lies. We know it's uh, with uh, the living hope of the Father, and that's continual, that's perpetual. And I hope you guys feel that and know that uh, this Christmas week uh, as you go out and, uh, and you just have a great week and just continue to glorify Him. I have a couple of quick announcements for you guys. First off, my name is Anthony, for those of you who don't know me. Um, and I want to just welcome anyone who, this is your first time here at Northwood. Um, you know, we obviously are a pretty big church, and uh, we want to make sure that everyone that, that's here feels connected and feels loved and appreciated. So one of the ways that we do that is we have uh, these next step cards in the seat pocket in front of you. I want to encourage you guys to, uh, anyone that's new, maybe maybe you're not new, honestly. Maybe you've been here for a little while and uh, just haven't found your, your connection yet. Uh, I encourage you to fill this card out and uh, take it to the back corner uh, in the back there, the, the next steps area. Drop those, drop the cards off there. And there are some people that would love to meet with you and get you connected to find your niche here. Um, I also want to um, let you guys know there's going to be a prayer team up here in the front uh, after the service, after we dismiss. And uh, they would just love to, to agree with you guys in prayer. Anything that you guys may be struggling with, anything that's, uh, that's on your heart, um, and you just want someone to pray with you and be with you on that, uh, I do want to encourage you guys to make yourselves available to that. Um, and then we also have two ways to give here at Northwood. Uh, normally there's three, but with COVID and everything right now, we, uh, we just have uh, two, keeping it simple. Uh, so you're welcome to mail that in. Uh, and of course, everything's behind me. Uh, you can mail it into 14281 O'Neill Road. Um, you can also go online. That's what my wife and I like to do. Keep it simple. Don't even have to think about it. Uh, we have, actually have it up on uh, auto pay, which makes it even easier for you guys. So <laughs> I encourage you guys to check that out. Um, and there's the website there. Now, because of your giving, we are an extremely generous church, guys. Um, and, and, and even through COVID this year, we have continued to see the blessings of, of giving to the Lord. And what we've been able to do is, is actually reach a lot of different ministries. And this past week, we were able to give $2,000 a piece to Canopy Children's Solutions and the Gulf, Court, Gulf Coast Centers for Nonviolence. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. And you guys are, I mean, you guys are a part of that. We can't do those types of things if, if we don't have a church that's giving. So definitely uh, continue to do that, right? Um, and then just a couple of quick announcements. I know you guys are hungry, ready to get out there and get your food, maybe watch some football, whatever else you got planned for this afternoon. Um, two quick things this week. Um, we have the candlelight service that you've heard about that's going to be taking place Christmas Eve. There's two potential services for that, right? So 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. The website's behind me, so make sure you guys go on and uh, get registered for that. And then also, um, all services will be online this coming up Sunday, December 27th. So uh, make sure you rally your family around with you and y'all, uh, you know, do church at home. It's going to be amazing. Uh, God's still going to move. It's going to be a great week. And of course, Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, y'all have a blessed and awesome week. We love and appreciate you. Go forth and prosper. Joy to the world, the Lord is called. Let earth receive a King. Let every heart prepare and rule. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and 
Try 